0: CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App
1: Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast. With your host Jeff Stark, and as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks,
0: and Larry Jewett, and learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. Coin World Podcast. Is it September already? How can that possibly be? Well, I guess you can't deny the calendar. That's for sure. Well, welcome everybody to the Coin World Podcast. I'm Larry Jewett.
1: And I'm Jeff Stark, and we are cruising along in another month of the year, and we are excited today to be here with you just because we do this every week, have fun talking about coins, one of our favorite things, if not our favorite thing. And glad you're along for the ride, and of course we thank CoinWorld Plus for sponsoring us, allowing us to be here every week.
0: Yeah, indeed. I mean, and here we are in the month of September. I mean, it's ninth month of the year. Hard to believe this year 2022. We're seeing things changing all the time around us right here. And it's just been a great opportunity. One, again, want to thank everybody. I mean, it's just been a few weeks. We've had the opportunity to come back here and be a part of your listening experience, your podcast experience I want to thank everybody for jumping back on here. The numbers have been really encouraging since we've returned here, and we do appreciate the support that we've gotten. And, again, welcome your suggestions. Just reach out to us and let us know. You know, we would be more than happy to entertain any suggestions because our idea to educate and inform, and things are constantly changing out there. We use the word change a lot, but change has double meaning to all of us around here because I'm checking my change quite a bit. You know, I got annoyed the other day. I went in and made a purchase, and the change back was going to be 60-some cents, and I'm anticipating the arrival of two quarters. And what do I get? I get a quarter, four dimes, and a penny, a cent, excuse me. So, I mean, that just shows you how discouraged I was about the fact I didn't get two quarters. I mean, I have a little difficult time looking at dimes, for anything that might be like a mint error or anything like that when I'm searching for these quarters, especially still trying to fulfill these collections. So when I get two dimes and a nickel, I realize I got the same money, but I just don't get as excited
1: about it. Are you that way too? Well, I have to admit, my I don't pay attention to the U.S. coinage as much as I should. I mean, I did recently get some of the new quarters and I set a couple of those aside and I actually got a new half dollar I don't know if I think it was the 2021 half dollar but I got it in change I don't even remember where now and so I set that aside I put it actually on top of my microwave and um, I just see that that's where I dump my keys and all that and I need to put that in a book and I don't even know if I have a, a folder or an album for Modern Kennedy halves, but that jumped out to me, and and I thought, well, I'm going to at least keep one of these because it's it's a nice example of of the new coin. That's you know, I mean, regular listeners and certainly readers of Coin World will know that last year and this year the Mint has been striking half dollars for circulation and actually distributing them to the Federal Reserve, I believe. So. Along with the American women quarters that are out there. This was a Wilma man quarter that I got most recently. And I need to, I need to find my, you know, I moved almost two years ago and not everything is, I still have lots of boxes to open, let's say. <laughs> and so I, I found some folders the other day and I set them aside because I'm like, are these they're empty. Did I get those because I want to fill them up and create a collection? Or were these ones I was going to give to somebody in the family? I don't remember what they were for. So I've got, I need to work on these. I need to work on the American Innovation Dollars because that's a fun series. We haven't talked about that hardly here. And it could be easily overlooked. And I have one of our regular listeners is is very actively Chasing those down and building his set, so shout out to ron and it's just another way to share the stories of American history, whether it's the the women quarters or the innovation dollars and I get so enthralled by all the options on the world side that i don't sometimes focus on here at home like like maybe I should
0: well that's i mean and the the idea the accessibility. Of the U.S. coinage for me is the the attraction here. I mean, as a somewhat new collector and, you know, we are exchanging the, the currency and the coinage out there, it just, it's kind of, that's what opened up the opportunity. When I first started going after the states and after the national parks, it was like easy to take a $5 bill, drop it into a change machine at a, at an arcade, at a car wash, at a laundromat, even though laundromats at the time really weren't, uh, encouraging you to come and take their quarters away from them. And so that made it kind of interesting in in that respect. And I can understand. I mean, I love the world coins and I don't often see them, especially since uh, but down here in Florida occasionally we we'll, we'll find some Canadian coins make their way into it because some of the folks coming down there interestingly just yesterday I had the opportunity to go through a, an individual's coin jar. And found two Canadian cents, one from 1991, one from 1986. Of course, they haven't made those in like 10 years, and it was really neat to find that. And so that was kind of the foray into the into the world side of things that that happened for me. And of course, I remember the time when I looked at, I got a wheat cent in change, and the person behind the counter thought it was a Canadian coin, but it's just like, okay, no, that's not we have to we we still that's what we talked about educating and informing we still have a lot of work to do to get people to understand our coinage canadian coinage world coins especially i mean i love the world coins collect the world coins just the idea that the advent of the american women quarters program has brought a certain amount of attraction to this the circulating coins. Obviously, you can get them in uncirculated condition, but and you mentioned about your Kennedy half there. One of the things that I learned from Chris Bullfinch was that when you get a coin like that, he put it in a two by two and put down the place where the date and the place where he got it. And I've done that with three of the four American women quarters that I was able to receive. Two of them came from the same place. I'm still looking for Nina Otero Warren. I mean, Anime Wong will be coming out later but there is one out there that I don't have yet, and so I'm constantly mm-hmm. checking it. And interestingly, there's a grocery store chain, that, which is where I got my 2020 W quarter, and I also got two of the three women quarters that I have to go back to today. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe they've opened a new role, and maybe I'll have that opportunity to get that fourth of the five we're going to have this year. So I'm looking forward I, I, to that.
1: I like Chris's idea, but if I'm putting into an album, you know, a folder or whatever, that it doesn't work to do it that way. But I I do like that idea. But it's timely that you mentioned that series because just last week, the designs for the 2023 American Women Quarter Dollars were announced. Well, I guess it was on August 29th this happened. It was in last week's issue of Coin World, And of course, the designs... A couple of the people, a lot of people will be familiar with the names. The the other names might be unfamiliar, but uh, Eleanor Roosevelt is probably the most prominent name among that group. Second, I would say, is Bessie Coleman, who was a pioneering African-American aviator, you know, a hundred years ago. And actually, Daniel Carr, we've talked about Dan's work before, he created a like a prototype dollar for the small size dollar in the nineties that would put Bessie Coleman on the dollar coin. And I think if you, you know, somebody who's interested in that, in Dan's work, you can find information at his website, I believe. And you can certainly with some diligence, find an example of the Bessie Coleman prototype design out there. That would go nicely with next year's quarter that depicts her. The other three names, Jovita Idar, Maria Tallchief and Edith Kanakaoli. I'm sure I butchered that last name, but these are all women that have served in various roles to certain populations. For instance, Yovita Idar is Mexican-American journalist, suffragist, civil rights activist. I mean, there's you know, Maria Tallchief was America's first prima ballerina and a Native American ballerina to boot. So some of these names are not going to be familiar to most people. And, and that's OK, because the idea of the program is it gets you learning about women that made history and that were involved in breaking barriers and, and doing things. So very cool. Those designs have been released. And now we are looking forward to next year for that I would I would love to take the Eleanor Roosevelt quarter and that could be paired with the Eleanor Roosevelt bronze medal that the mint made and fun
0: huh yeah you know here you have the situation where Franklin's on a dime but Eleanor made it onto the quarter so i mean yeah. you know you'd wonder i mean obviously they've both passed and made their mark in history here you know when we talked about Bessie Coleman it was interesting because Back in May at O'Hare Airport there in Chicago, that there was a huge Bessie Coleman display. And, you know, anybody who took the time to look at that between terminals could learn a lot about Bessie Coleman. And so, I mean, the achievements that she had and that's what these coins are giving us a chance to do. There was so much criticism for how static and how stale the design of American coinage was and that you couldn't really learn anything just beyond the Lincoln-Jefferson roosevelt washington you know group and now here with the advent of the state quarters and then the national park quarters and now the american women quarters it just makes sense i mean i'm holding out for animals now i mean that's my next thing i'm holding out for animals i want to i want to see coins coming out with animals on them so besides the
1: eagle of course but that would be cool now it, it is interesting as we are talking one of the authors that i follow he's actually a i guess a poet but he he's an author he he shared a a little verse called quarters please by kevin ahern coin operated slot machines can turn rich into debtors and all of them need to work on change for the bettor not change for the better change for the bettor anyway right. i thought that okay. was fun it it came across the Digital transom, the electronic transom, as we are talking about quarters and new designs and change. So that was by Kevin Ahern, a little, a little fun verse for you this week. But I suppose this week we should start talking about, now that we've talked about all the quarters, we should delve back into numismatic history. What say we do that?
0: Okay, well, I mean, we're not done talking about quarters because once we're done with that, I want to mention something about one of the most recent finds that I had, but let's 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 look back at history first,
1: okay, okay, I didn't mean to jump ahead of you that's well, okay I, I'm looking at you know there there's a couple options here for this week in numismatic history, and we've probably talked about both of them before. So I'm going to say it anyway. You know, the the one that I'm highlighting is September 9th, 1957. What happened then? That was when the Bureau of Engraving and Printing delivered the first batch of dollar silver certificates bearing the motto, In God We Trust. Mm. This, of course, was a response to ANA member and maybe governor or president, maybe I think he was president, Matt Rother of Arkansas in the fifties made a push to add the motto in God we trust to America's paper money. And this was added on the first batch of dollar silver certificates in 1957. I should say that was the first batch to have the motto added. And, uh, you know, th- that's, We've talked about on the program. We had Bill Beerly, the author about In God We Trust history on American coinage and paper money. So bought that book at the
0: A and A last.
1: Time. I saw that and I was intrigued because you hadn't, you know, you weren't here on the podcast for that interview. That was one Chris and I did. But I'm glad to see that you're adding to your numismatic library. In any event,
0: thank you for that. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but yes, I did. <laughs>
1: No, no, that's fine. It's all good. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah.
0: So that's that's the only one you're going to focus on this time.
1: This week? Yeah. I mean, the other one was just about the striking of the gold American Eagles, the first gold American Eagles in 1986 on September 7th, which... You know, this is now we're in our third year or season, if you will, (laughs) of the podcast. We may have talked about that in the past. I don't remember. But both big events, you know, both have repercussions that we see ripples to to today because In God We Trust is still on American Paper Money. And that's been the subject of lawsuits and, and other discussions over the intervening decades. And of course, the gold bullion is a favorite coin for collectors and investors and has led to all sorts of imprints into the modern U.S. numismatic landscape.
0: Well, and I'm glad I could kind of goad you into that second one, too, because even (laughs) if we have done that in the past again, I mean, it's always great to be reminded of some of the things that are significant in this hobby, because... It's just important for us to, again, educating and informing. And we've had a number of new listeners since the last time we met in a September. And I certainly hope that some of those listeners can pick up from some of the knowledge that you've gained from right there. But speaking of pick up, while I talked about the, uh, getting the idea of getting those two Canadian cents uh, from that jar, I also managed to pick up one of my quarters that I've been looking for from my state's. And that's been the the excitement is just knowing that even though I only need a few, there's still, you know, some that are out there, some that are elusive, everybody goes through that. But I just have to wonder sometimes if I'm too much of a whiner when it comes down to that, because, I mean, everybody has their quests and everybody has their collections that they're trying to fill and everybody has a, at least one opening here. I mean, many of those who collect some of the 19th century coins, they have those ones that are very, 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 very difficult to find. And some of my stuff from the 21st century is not that difficult to find, but still the joy of finding something like that. I want to shout it from the mountaintops, but living in Florida, we don't have mountains. So just the idea that I you know, utilize this platform to say that, hey, I made this discovery here and we'd let you tell us if you wanted to send us an email about it, but I mean, i Recently found, and I think I might have mentioned it recently. The big one that, that really surprised me was getting that quarter from Puerto Rico, especially because it's like I think it's a 2009. In 2009, I was in Puerto Rico, and it's just like everything was was all excited about that. But I mean, little by little, it's all coming together here.
1: So yep. I mean, sh- shout out, shout out to Brandon.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, <laughs> and, and it, here's the, here's the thing: if you're tired of me talking about it, help me fill it. That's the thing, right? And you, and you, you know. did. <laughs> And he did so.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so hey. thank you,
0: Brandon. Appreciate that. So, one well, of these days, I'll get around to editing audio. But in the meantime, well, 2009, like I say, I went to Puerto Rico. And 2009 seems like a good stopping off point to be talking about coin world history because I know a lot of things are going on in 2009. So, uh, I hope you have your 2009 archives handy and you can take a look at what the issue would have been on this week in coin world history.
1: Yes, so we're looking at the September seventh, two thousand nine issue and I found it interesting. You know, we're we're talking about the thrill of the hunt and, and finding things, and there was no better illustration of that concept than the main news story in this issue, because there we have a story by Ken Potter, who's a well-known variety expert, Airs Expert Dealer, about what appeared to be the second known example of the elusive Philadelphia Mint 1992 Lincoln cent struck with a close AM reverse. So, for those who may not be aware, the the word America on the back of the coin, sort of to the, you know, two to... you know, one to three o'clock position if you're looking at the coin as a clock face. America above the Lincoln Memorial, the A and the M come in two styles, and that change occurred in 1992. 1993 and later are what's known as a wide AM, and most 1992s are wide AM, I believe, but a small, small number of this close am examples were found this was the second known and you're you're talking this is a 1992 cent and the second example known was found in 2009 that's 17 years if my math is correct and so you know the idea that there's there's still stuff out there to be discovered. Coin World loves sharing those stories. I mean, I talked to a, a dealer recently. Actually, this guy had told me he was very pleased with the response to the American Women's quarters. He had also told me several years ago of a of a like a five finger five figure coin that was found that you know it was in a dealer. Essentially, junk box for like fifteen bucks, and so you know, we love those kind of stories, right? And collectors love those kind of stories because it gives us hope, it it fuels our imagination, it speaks to the rich diversity of objects in there, out there that are waiting to be found. A lot of times, just based on education, knowledge, you know, if you know what's out there, what to look for, then you can be aware. And, and I don't know, I mean, yes, this was 13 years ago, this 2009 issue, but I can't imagine there's been a huge number of close AM 1992, Philadelphia sense there are, there were, you know, a number of like a dozen or so of the ones, yeah, about 15, 1992 D close AM cents that struck at Denver were known at this time but this was only the second known Philadelphia struck example you know there's still stuff out there and it's so exciting when you can participate in a hobby like this and still be still be learning something still discover something and we think that there are everything there is to know about so many of these topics is known. And, you know, in many cases, there's a lot known, but there's always more to be found.
0: Well, and that's the thing, too. And But on the other side of that, it's almost like a point-counterpoint type thing. And I think it's been addressed somewhat in William T. Gibbs' editorial in the most recent edition here is, yeah, we get a lot of questions about coins because sometimes people take the downside of things is people will think a coin is worth more than it's actually worth really worth you know, or people will manipulate coins to be something that they're not and that type of thing. And there's always the uninformed and the uneducated tend to cast a little bit of a, uh, A poll on some of the uh, things that we find here, because if you don't know for sure, you need to go to somebody who does know for sure. There are a lot of varieties, opportunities out there. A lot of errors. The Mid Errors book by uh, Joe Cronin comes to mind here. But there are a lot of things where you can educate yourself before you start thinking that you got a coin that's worth the mortgage payment this month. I mean, there are a lot of mischievous characters out there on internet forums and and that type of thing. So it's just there are legitimate coins, like you mentioned, this 2009. So just knowing the difference between the legitimate and the illegitimate, I mean, it's incumbent upon all of us to be that way. And so it's it's best to to serve to to find out. I mean, I will now climb down from my soapbox, but just (laughs) the idea that, I mean, there's nothing ruins it more than having somebody who gets enthusiastic about something only to be told they've been built only to be told that it's not what you know what it was perceived to be. So the real deal is what you need to be looking for and understand you got to kiss a lot of frogs to get to a prince sometime.
1: Well, I don't I don't want a prince and I don't want to kiss frogs, but <laughs> I do want there to be a I wish there was a way we could reach some of the people that need to be reached and and you know, say just because somebody has it listed on eBay or Etsy at some insanely stupid number doesn't mean it's really worth that number. It doesn't mean it's really this type of error or that type of variety or whatever the case may be. Anybody can say anything. And, you know, I think for whatever reason, there's not enough skepticism with folks And I I know there is a human nature. We want to think we've got the one standout thing and we're special and we found this. But, you know, there's otherwise intelligent people sometimes, (laughs) you know, sometimes you go, okay, this person's a few apples short of a bushel. But, you know, you, you go if when you go buy a car, you know, you need to be on guard to not get hosed and you know you do your homework and you check out with the kelly blue book or whatever why do people not engage their faculties in that manner to okay you know they say it's x is it really x or are they you know presuming that somebody else knows what they're talking about and taking them at face value it is unfortunately you know you shouldn't do that. In so, in some cases, many cases, when you know, you're again, you're talking about some spurious listing or you know, some some listing on eBay or Etsy where you know, again, anybody can put anything out there. I just wish there was a way to reach those people that don't have the the facility of you know the language that don't know the language of numismatics. They don't have that experience and. They haven't trained themselves to, to be skeptical and view things with caution before moving forward with it. I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I certainly hope that anybody listening to this is, obviously, if you're listening to the Coin World podcast, you're wanting to know more and expand your knowledge, and so you're, you're in a great place to do it, and we thank you for being here, but... Talk to us if you have any ideas how we can reach these people because if we can convert them to to real collectors, then you know that's better for everybody involved in the hobby.
0: Yeah, I'll I mean, get off yeah.
1: my so- of the soapbox now.
0: Yeah, the idea is, I mean, buy the book before the coin. There have been countless hours of research that have been done, legitimate research that's been done that's available for anybody to avail themselves to, that they can learn and understand and get, and get better about things. And I mean, it's books, and, and I, mean, I, I lean on books more because anybody can put up something on the website. There's good web material out there, but I mean, it's just, there's a lot of researchers that have devoted their entire lives to this and making sure that it's done and making sure that it's done right. And it falls into it. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed with the opportunity each week to look at my diamonds collector's clearinghouse column. And it just has amazed me how much I can learn from just each, each one, each one of those each week. And it's just, it's helped me a lot in my own pursuit here, but So, reading the material is helpful here. But as we're talking about 2009, of course, things were a lot different back then. And we we mentioned Lincoln cents. We've talked about finding Canadian cents, that type of thing. There was a letter that dealt with cents from the September 7, 2009 issue. And it was called Won't Be Surprised. Now, of course, we have the luxury of the future here. But this letter written in 2009 says, I'll bet St. Goddens's to Lincolns that in 2010 we will be stuck with the same lincoln cent obverse from 1909 and the ugly trolley car Lincoln Memorial reverse for at least the next 50 years, if not the next century. Already there seems to be problems with the proposed new designs from what CoinWorld articles are saying. Some people are complaining about the wheat design being similar to some German coins of the 1930s. So what? I remember these coins in junk boxes from the early 1960s, and as far as I know, they're still there. When I saw the proposed designs, I remembered and thought about the common German design, but it is a good design. It has nothing to do with Hitler. I believe people in these coinage committees have such divided ideas on the lousy designs they're given to review that the government will retain the ugly Lincoln Memorial design like the Mint did with the return of the very disappointing Monticello design. I would like to see the Victor David Brenner obverse design reworked. Just use the head and develop its features. Possibly the Lincoln Memorial could be revised to just have the statue of Lincoln in the memorial, not the memorial itself. The proposed shield design for the 2010 cent is almost identical to a shield design used on 1896 pattern cents. The Statue of Liberty could suggest unity, but that statue is already on the presidential dollars and American Eagle Platinum coins. People have commented that our new coin designs get uglier year by year and that people are running out of new ideas or new designs. Why doesn't the Mint just get a J. Hewitt Judd pattern book for some really good ideas. I hope the scent is not around for the next 10 years as already it has become outmoded and useless. Maybe then the worn out designs could go. I will not mourn it in the least. That's from Bob Olikson out of Parma, Ohio. Well, of course, like I said, we have the luxury of being 13 years later on this and knowing that the shield design did get used and the memorial did go away and the scent is still with us here. But it's just kind of interesting to go back and just look at some of these comments that were made and it just allows you to get an understanding of some of the history and some of the emotion that was attached to it because people were emotionally attached to designs and continue to be so. It's just like the CCAC has gone through with the American Women's Quarters and they had seven, eight, ten different designs they had to look at and reach some kind of compromise because not, this is not a case of one size fits all. And you get the designers and you get the sculptors and everybody gets together and they do the best they can with what they got to work with. So shield design doesn't affect me. I like the fact that it goes back to the shield nickel type era of the of the mid 19th century. So yeah. here we are. And I mean, it's it's obvious whenever I look at the scents now, it's easier to just turn them over and look at the back of them and you get a better idea of what what they're looking for. Of course, the wheat scent gets me excited. The memorial, not so much. The shield, definitely not, because I know it's new. So there you have it. One more letter. I want to get into this, and it has nothing to do with the scent, because I know you want to talk, and I want to keep talking. It's called, Attend a Show, You'll Like It. I'm writing this letter in response to several letters and guest commentaries complaining about coin dealer attitudes at coin shows and coin shops. I got back into the hobby in 2004 and have attended four of the Long Beach shows and the recent a convention in Los Angeles. My personal experience has been very pleasurable, pleasurable as these shows. The coin dealers have been friendly and very engaging in conversation, or as Frank S. Robinson said, idly schmoozing. I have not had any unpleasant interactions with dealers at these shows. The last show was fantastic. Also, my local coin dealer is a very friendly and knowledgeable person. Bottom line, go out and attend a show, and I think you'll have a great time. That's Bruce Pastel from Palmdale, California. Everybody has good and bad. I mean, it all depends on, you know, you get what you give, that type of thing. But again, coin shows can be positive experiences. They can have some downsides, as we've talked about numerous times. But the idea is get there. You don't know what the show is going to be like. You don't know what your relationship with the dealer is going to be like until you go to the dealer and actually get to meet them. They're just a name in a phone book until you actually go there and see them. A coin show is just an event on a calendar until you actually go and see it. Boy, today's the day for soapboxes, isn't it? Anything?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if you stand on enough soapboxes, I guess that means there there was a lot of dirty laundry involved. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> lame. Lame attempt, but you know, I do want to talk about it's. It's real. It's interesting that you have Mr. Olakson's letter about wishing away the cent because this year marks ten years since Canada got rid of their cent. Now, granted, one cent Canadian is worth about twenty-two percent less than the U.S. You know, cent is, but one would think that Canada's paving the way for the U.S. to eventually get rid of their cent in the sense that, you know, Canada has done it. Now that's one other country that's gotten rid of their smallest denomination. And, you know, there are several places in the Eurozone that don't use the cent. And, and, you know, the the recent Euro-U.S. dollar parity, the fact that they're basically worth the same amount, one euro, one dollar, that also threatens the need for the small change in the eurozone. It certainly speaks to the, I don't want to say precarious state of the U.S. one cent coin, but, you know, things are moving toward this time when we wouldn't use it. But this being a function of politics and and not necessarily pragmatism, one wonders how many years overdue such a change will will come. So, anyway, yeah, I
0: I think it was also a topic of conversation a recent press gathering for Mint Director Ventress C. Gibson when she was asked about that and basically said the Mint's going to keep making until they're told they can't. So
1: yeah, yeah, they're they're just doing what they're told in a sense, right? So. It's Congress. It's in Congress's court, and we all know how that goes. So it's not a well, trivial matter, but it's an hmm. important matter. But I do have a trivial matter to discuss, and I do mean last week's trivia question. Do you hey. remember what we talked about last week?
0: I know it has something to do with South Korean coins. I think the 500 won, something along that line.
1: Yes. So yeah. you're right. Cause we, we spoke with Mark Lovemo and I thought, okay, th- there was something he identified in the book that made for a fun question. And there was for quite a while, there was another coin in the world that was being confused and it still is even confused. I've had coin dealers, you know, I've, looked at their stock and they have this identified as a South Korean coin or vice versa. And I go, no, that's not, they're not, they're different. (laughs) So I wondered what coin is often confused with the South Korean 500 won coin, which as the time of recording last week, and I'm sure there's been marginal or nominal change, 500 won is worth about 37 cents this other coin worth significantly more. So do you have any inkling what coin that is?
0: For the life of me, no. I mean, I am not anywhere close to a world coin expert. And I, I'm not going to cheat, look it up. I'm not going to, I mean, I don't recall ever hearing anything about this. So for the life of me, I'm just going to have to plead Nola Contendre on this one because okay. I, I'm not guilty. I'm not innocent. I just, n- no idea.
1: You using them big words on me? Plebiscenum. How about? I, I I thought you might get it because I'm pretty sure you've been to this country and you've used one of these coins. We're talking, of course, about Japan's 500 yen.
0: Oh, yen won. Okay, yeah, makes sense.
1: Yeah, yen, yen and yuan, w o n and yuan in China, y u a n. They all have roots. You know, similar linguistic roots, and Japanese 500 yen coin has been worth as much as like 450 to not 5 bucks but almost you know closer to $4.75 in the last 5 years now because of the strength of the dollar it's worth more like 350 360 but it has it has had a higher equivalent face value even today a 500 yen coin is worth 10 times the amount that a 500 won coin is worth. And they were of similar size, are of similar size, but Japan issued a, they made a slight modification in the coins to help the machines distinguish between the two. And that's, you know, Japan, South Korea, they're both Asian countries. These coins both have the numerals 500 on them. You know, again, I've had, Dealers conflate the two, and no, they're not. They're not. You know, they're not the same. It's this is South Korea. This is Japan. It's almost as egregious of an error as somebody taking a Canadian coin and saying, "Well, this is American," Mm. you know, or vice versa, saying this is Canadian. And so, so that was the answer. I thought it was interesting that that's happened. There are stories throughout coinage history of coins that have people have discovered that they have the same characteristics, size, weight, metallic composition, whatever, and that there's arbitrage to be made by stealing, by buying the coin in one place and taking it to another place and using it as, you know, the replacement coin, if you will, and I've written about that a couple times. There's also, along that same line, the Panamanian coinage is worth exactly U.S., US to $1 Panama. And so the quarter Balboa is worth a quarter, 25 cents. And they were struck at the US Mint for decades on the same copper nickel clad planchets. And if you happen to find one, a dime or a quarter, a 10th Balboa or a quarter Balboa, you can use those in US vending machines, right? Because it it has the same characteristic as the US coinage because it and and functionally, it's the same because it's the same face value. It's not a difference of, you know, like the Japan and South Korea coin where there's a significant price difference. It's the same value, and it works in the U.S. vending machine. So that's something about which to be aware. And there, are, like yeah. I say, there are other stories out there like that.
0: Okay, now before you give me a chance to get back on to – Looking like I know what I'm talking about here by asking me another question, I will say this, that the meter of respect that I have for you, already high, just got a little higher because I looked up what a 500 yen Japanese coin is worth in U.S. dollars. It's $3.50. You were right on the money, so to speak.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I pay attention to this stuff. So <laughs> you pay
0: attention. I got that. OK, let's stop <laughs> the funds now. So give
1: me a question. <laughs> Okay. So we're talking, we talked about quarters today. So I wanted to talk about the earliest American quarter in what year was it struck. And that's, that's sort of an easy, you know, give me a layup, but what was the exact face value of the coins that were struck that first year of quarters, American quarters. So I'm not going to give you the design type because that would help, you know, key in as to when it was. So, what was the mintage and and do the math divide by four. What's the face value of the mintage? Okay. (laughs) So, so it's sort of a three part question and you know, one is an easy one. One's a little like, oh, throw a guess out there. And then based on the guess, you can kind of do the math. You know, it's a fun little trivia bit. It's, you know, you can, once we share the answer next episode, you can amaze or confuse your friends with this bit of knowledge.
0: Yeah. For those of you who got the 500 yen Japanese coin, congratulations on you because this homework assignment is not mine. The question is not directed at me. It's directed at all of us right here. So good luck with researching that. You know, we're heading up to the conclusion of this. We appreciate everybody being on hand here. Our support from CoinWorld Plus as we continue on with our podcast. We're looking forward to our next opportunity. We're queuing up some guests, as a matter of fact. To help us out, help you with your education and learning a little bit about what's going on in the world of numismatics here. So, once again, thank you for being a part of it here. We're going to wrap it up right now with, with the advice to you. Enjoy this. And until the meantime, happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to
1: subscribe, and we'll see you next week. CoinWorld
0: Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.